Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, June 27th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I'm back in Paris after that week uh, over in the U.S., and it was a yeah really, really fun <laughs> fun week to be back. Clear admit through a big party, which I know when we recorded the last episode of the podcast, I was you know at that conference, but we hadn't had the clear admit party yet. So clear admit had a big party. It was a lot of fun, um, you know, just hanging out with all the schools and, and our colleagues from the industry. So nice. Uh, yeah, like, it was a good time. What's going on on your end and what do we need to be thinking about? On the admissions front, I mean, again, we're we're pretty much um, focused almost fully now to the upcoming season um, in terms of more deadlines being um, um, announced, um, essay topics being announced, and and so forth. Quite little activity on the wait list, so um, we are in those sort of summer doldrums, as it were. And what I mean by that is there still will be a little bit of activity. Schools will still be tweaking, and and oftentimes what what will happen is um, when when you know folks show up on campus, a school might realise there's one or two folks missing. Yeah, maybe go to the waitlist then. So so there will be still just a little bit of activity left from from this season, but we are. I'm pretty much fully on board for next season now, Graham. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I, I did, you know, one of the questions that I asked admissions directors as I ran into them at the conference last week was, how are you feeling about your class? You know, do you think you're going to, are you, are you able to relax now? Because for an admissions director, it's really stressful at this time of year because they feel like they've admitted the class they know who's going to show up, but they don't exactly because there's always a few people who start to bail or, you know, a peer school goes to their wait list and things start to shift. Uh, the ground moves <laughs> underneath their feet, you know, so and and everyone was saying, I feel like I'm close, but I'm not fully relaxed yet. I'm, a, I'm there. You know, everyone's kind of afraid that it'll just take, you know, maybe, maybe Harvard goes to their list and there's this sort of trickle down impact that happens. But but we'll see. Uh, I, I definitely I mean, we're getting later, as you say, and there has been less movement on Livewire with respect to waitlists. So I think we're getting close, but we shall see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions from our Real Humans series. Like we, you know, whenever I have an admissions director on and we do a Real Humans kind of podcast, we have these fun lightning round questions and we've been going back and forth. So I'm going to have five questions for you this week and we'll see if you're, <laughs> what your answers are. Some of them are easy, Alex, but some of them, when I was kind of reading them, I was like, oh, this isn't so easy to think about. So anyway, the first one's an easy one. I think I know the answer and it is beach or mountains? Well, there are no mountains in Cornwall, Graham. <laughs> there are lots of rugged beaches, yeah. but I would say beaches and cliff tops. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Cause I mean, you don't, and what's funny is you're not like a big swimmer, are you? So maybe, no. I, but I, but you like being near the water. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Walking on the beach and walking along the cliff paths. Fantastic. Yeah. It's something I really hope to do someday. Cause that area of England is supposed to be the best yeah. for that sort of thing. So, uh, okay. So are you a morning person or a night owl? Early morning person. Yeah. Uh, I know this because you used to tell me that like after Seinfeld, you would go to bed yeah. back when it was on regular TV in America. Uh, all right. What is a guilty pleasure that you have? Hmm. You know what? I You sent me these questions earlier and I never even thought <laughs> how to answer this one because there's not really a pleasure that I have that I, I, I don't share with others. Right. So you could say guilty right. pleasures. I do like to have a beer um, mm-hmm. or, or three. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'd say, you know, after a, a hard day, that, fir- that first, um, um, qu- the, 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 the first supper beer is very, very, very nice. 
Okay, good. What about a happy place somewhere that you just really enjoy going or, you know, place that you go to retreat? <laughs> yeah, probably walking my dog. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, does she, does she get a walk, what, several times a day or just morning and night or yeah, is she allowed out? Like just, yeah. yeah. Okay. First so, thing, well, not first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, oddly enough, I check apply wire. Right, right. <laughs> Decision wire and live wire, answer any of those questions and, yep. and that kind of stuff. Do a little bit more work. So maybe an hour of work yep. um, and then um, go, go on my first walk. It's fantastic. Excellent. Uh, I remember a conversation we had many moons ago where you told me that you liked to have a kind of fluid mix of work and you know, kind of life. So you, and you talked about how the internet was making that possible. This idea that you could wake up, do a little bit of work on your computer, go out for a walk, come back. And that, you know, life doesn't have to be like, I clock in at this time and clock out at that time. Exactly. I don't know if you remember that conversation. Um, but... I don't, but I sound very smart. If I, <laughs> if I make, if we had that conversation several years ago, that was quite, um, quite, quite insightful, I think. I think it was inspired by a book you had read, uh, something about, you know, future of like work or something. But anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll think of what it was, which, which, you know, which book it was. Uh, I, I'm definitely living it. <laughs> All right. What has been, and this is a, t this was the one that I just was like, hmm, uh, this, what has been your proudest moment? Yeah, th this is a, a difficult one. Not, not that I had too many proud moments, but <laughs> I would say the challenge of writing a fiction book mm -hmm. where you essentially creating your own world, um, yeah, when, when, when that was published by me, <laughs> self-published, um, yeah, I was pretty proud of that piece of work. I have to admit, when I was reading that book, I was thinking about there's so many different, uh, well, you've all the different characters and their own kind of backstories and, and then just yeah. the way that you have to thread it together. It's almost like a math equation to set it up. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people, yeah, you must have had to map it all out and then you start writing, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, I took some um, classes on how to write fiction mm -hmm. because I've, I've done a lot of writing, but it's just been factual, whether it was working for a newspaper yeah. or, or, you know, what, what, whatever it is, it's always been, been factual. So, yeah, it was a really interesting challenge, but a lot of fun, too. Excellent. All right. So I guess next week you're going to ask me these same questions. So I have a little bit of a head start. I'll start thinking about them <laughs> and you can you can ask me these questions next week. In the meantime, uh, over on the Clear Admit website, we did one Real Humans alumni piece. And I think it, I mean, we must be nearing the end of that series because we typically do it in the spring. So I think we're wrapping that up very soon. It was a gentleman named Matthew who went to INSEAD and graduated in 21. He is now working as a consultant at Bain. Originally, he's from Houston. So it's interesting. He kind of ended up at INSEAD uh, over in Europe and Singapore. He went to Columbia for undergrad and studied political science. And then he worked in like corporate intelligence and investigations, which I'm not, I've never heard that like as a field, but he must've been some kind of special role. And, and that's what he did. And then, you know, went off to INSEAD and now is at Bain. I did want to read one little quote from him. He said, some of the best advice I got before my MBA was to prioritize because you can't do everything. But I actually think that's only half of the challenge. Not only do you have to pick what really matters, but you also have to leave some of your experience to chance and enjoy the unexpected joys and learnings that come with them. He says, for me, prioritizing meant getting a job in consulting, building friendships, and getting broad exposure across areas of potential future career interests like venture capital, social enterprise, and organizational behavior. But the random, seemingly insignificant decisions to make Thanksgiving dinner for my non-American housemates or to go hiking in the wetlands in Singapore are really what made the MBA a special time. 
So I thought that was a nice summary of like that sort of yin and yang to the experience. What do we call that? The Pareto principle? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's the eighty twenty rule, right? Now I'm just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you're right. It's yeah, it's it's fascinating though because he knew what he wanted, but it was some of these little things that were unexpected yeah. that really um, made a big difference for him. So yeah, I mean the the prioritization is critical. Yeah, um, and it just goes back to something we've always talked about, Graham, and the idea of going, making sure your goals are well set before you start the NBA, so that you can make the most of the experience. But I do like this tweak. That, that, that this person's taken to 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 the idea of yeah prioritize but leave a little bit of room to do some of these sort of random acts yeah. um, that, that could be the most memorable experiences of the, the entire um, experience yeah totally so um, that's kind of the main thing I was wanted to sort of share from the website this week and obviously if anyone is interested in any given field whether it's tech or finance or consulting or healthcare I mean there are just a wealth of these types of profiles and and I only read one little quote from this guy Matthew who's you know off at Bain now but he literally had I mean he gives all kinds of advice on the recruiting process at Bain and, you know, just his experience at INSEAD. And so they're really interesting to read. So I encourage people to head over and and read those. The other thing, Alex, that I wanted to mention before we get into our three candidates is, you know, as I've been mentioning for the last probably month or so, we have a whole series of events coming up in July. There are essay workshops and ClearAdmit's become a little bit um, famous for these because we've been doing them for a couple of years now. And all that we do is we sit down with a group of schools and I emcee these things and I, I sort of pick the brains of the admissions directors who join us to kind of really unpack why are they asking these essay questions? What are they looking for? What works? What doesn't? All that good stuff. And they're a lot of fun. And we've got four of these events coming up in July. And the schools are, you know, Berkeley, Chicago, Tuck, Darden, Emory, Tepper, Duke, UT Austin, LBS, INSEAD. There's, a, uh, there's one on July 27th with Columbia, MIT, NYU, Stanford, and Wharton. And then there's one at the end on August 3rd with Cornell, Ross, UCLA, Yale, UNC. So that's a, a long list of schools. And I, I read it out just because I want to make sure everyone knows that this is literally a great series. And I would argue, you know, even if you're not applying to a given school, come, come along to these events. You're going to learn a lot about essay writing and, and why these schools ask these questions, how long they take to look at your answers, all the good stuff. So you can sign up at bit.ly forward slash C-A-M-B-A essays, all one word, all lowercase. So please join us for those events. Alex, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be fun to sit down with these schools again. Yeah, I have a couple of quick thoughts to add. One is, well, not to add, but I've heard feedback from the schools. They also love these events because it's a little bit different for them um, to talk directly about the essays and sort of get their um, you know, uh, allow them to to unpack them and so on and so forth. So, so a slightly different style of event, which I think works really super well. Um, and congratulations to 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 you and and the, the team for 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 you know taking this approach. I think it's it's it sort of differentiates the experience. Secondly, where's Harvard Business School, Graham? <laughs> I don't I actually, I know I promised that I would talk to Chad and I, I didn't, he was not at the GMAC conference and I, I should just send him a note. But yeah, they're the, sort of the only school that's not coming. So yeah. I need to ask them. Which frankly is very impressive. Yeah, it's Every amazing. school but, yeah. but really Harvard needs to be, get, get, get up to speed here yeah. a, a little bit. And I you think. know, it's funny, when we first started doing these, I was a little worried that, because we don't really let the schools do their normal kind of info session-y stuff where they yeah. can stand up and wave their flag and say how great 
great they are, but it's worked out really well. And I think the schools end up conveying quite a bit about their culture and just by means yeah. of the essays. So anyway, a lot of fun. Sign up for that. Alex, uh, we haven't gotten any reviews on the podcast re- you know, recently, so it'd be great if people remember to rate and review the show. But I will say, you know, we got so much praise at GMAC and even some of the admissions people were mentioning to me that they listened to the show. So I guess we got to be careful, kind of keep that, keep that in mind that they're tuning in maybe, but it's been, it was really nice to hear some praise for everything that we do. But there were a couple of people who said, oh, I listen to the podcast from time to time. <laughs> so no, that's, that, that, that's, that, that is really cool. Yeah. 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 No doubt. So. No doubt. Well, what we need to do, Graham, we need to, I don't know if podcasts can be submitted for awards, right? Whether there's a business <laughs> man, you know, yeah. related sort of um, thing. We need to look into that. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> then we need to up our game a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. maybe. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. So if you don't have anything else, maybe we should dive in and talk about these candidates because there are three really interesting ones that you picked out this week, as always. <laughs> yeah, let's kick on. Yeah, very good. This is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this candidate wants to start school in the fall of 23, and they've only got two schools on the target list, and those schools are Duke and Georgia Tech. They've been working in, they've had two jobs before business school. So one of them was first at a, in a kind of corporate venture capital role with a Fortune 500 company, if memory serves. And then the other is uh, they've been doing finance at a nonprofit. Now, after business school, they want to get into technology, they think, uh, maybe combining that interest in tech with sort of project management experience that they've had. They've been working for about five years so far. GPA from undergrad is a 3.79 and they graduated from a top public university. Uh, GRE, which they've taken, is a 324. They're located in Atlanta, and they did mention that Duke is their primary target because of the school's culture, concentrations, alumni engagement, and the ability to support students not interested in consulting. It's also important to them because of the location. I believe that their significant other uh, is also kind of has some roots in the Southeast, so they would like to land in the Southeast. Now, Alex, you had some back and forth with this candidate, so I wanted to just get your lay of the land on this one and, and see what you think. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, Graham, I think this is uh, quite possibly a very strong candidate, right? They've got a 379 GPA, um, five years of work experience, which looks actually like um, pretty um, pretty damn good experience, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll just quote from, from their entry. It says, um, um, started working in corporate venture capital at a Fortune 500 company, and we were a strategic VC, so my role was to connect startups to internal innovation teams um, for product development and strategic mar- market entry. That sounds really interesting to me. Yeah. I then moved to a non-profit to be a project manager. So that, again, sounds really interesting that they then decided to make this type of move, um, seemingly to be a sort of pro- um, project manager um, in, you know, you know, working with a business, in, in this case, um, a, a non-profit. But, but I'm really liking um, this work profile. Um, obviously, they've got to show impact and, and growth, with, but it sounds to me like they're going to be able to do that. Yeah. And they're going to have to get to the whys behind that transition and so on and so forth. But I really, really like that stuff. Um, so, so, you know, 324 GRE, that's okay. Whatever, it doesn't really stand out, but it's okay. Three, the 379 GPA sounds um, quite impressive, actually. Um, I'm just a bit, you know, this choice of schools 
Duke is outstanding, no doubt. Um, so so it's good that they've, they've honed in on Duke. And obviously they have some geographic, um, um, not constraints, but desires, right? Yeah. They really want to be in that sort of um, southeast area, both um, during school, but certainly after school. Um, and obviously they're making decisions um, in consideration of their partner. Um, so, so, you know, and as do many other candidates applying so that's that's very good um so 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 they're they're targeting two schools in that southeast region um um duke and and georgia tech um so so on 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 the one hand graham you'd be like well there's actually some other schools they should probably be considering um that's right there in in the southeast yeah whether it's um keenan flagler or 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 goizetta emory goizetta um, but frankly, to me, they should also stretch themselves, uh, identify one or two M7s and, you know, see where the chips fall. So maybe, you know, considering Wharton, maybe considering, you know, whatever it might be, Sloan, you know, they want technology um, a- afterwards and so forth. Um, maybe Kellogg, whatever it might be. And then when they get all their results maybe an admit or two from an M7, an admit from from Duke and, and, and whatever, then make the decision, is Duke their, their prime target or, you know, do, 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 do these other programs, um, are, are they now more appealing because they've, they've, they've learned more about them and so on and so forth? They can still get recruited back to the southeast mm-hmm. from, you know, Kellogg or Wharton or Sloan or whatever it might be. So... That would be my um, two, two penneth or a little bit longer. <laughs> I, either look, look for more programs directly in that southeast region that they're targeting, i.e. Emory and, and, and UNC, but also stretch themselves a little bit here, Graham. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have too much to add to that. I did want to mention that they have, you know, they have pretty solid uh, extracurriculars. And so they, they really are kind of a full package. We yeah. did talk with them or you talk with them about, hey, maybe give it another go at the GRE. If you could boost that, you could really open up some additional doors. I think that would apply largely to, you know, those M7 type programs, yeah. but it also could impact, you know, scholarship awards and things like that. So it never hurts to roll the dice and, and try to get the best score that you're capable of. But my first thought, I could not agree more. When I looked at this profile, I'm like, oh, where's UNC? Where's Emory? And, and maybe even Darden. And I know that they mentioned that they are not, they said something about Darden where they said, I've considered it, but the program doesn't entice me as much as Duke. And I think that that's fine to say. I mean, you know, every school has its fit, mm. but I don't know. I mean, I would encourage them to actually, well, now it's summer, but it would be good for them to see the campus. And, you know, I mean, obviously maybe they can't wait now until school's back in session, but it would be, because everyone I know that's gone to Charlottesville and visited that school usually comes away with a really great impression. So I don't know, but in any event, there are clearly some schools out there that it just seems risky to me to only apply to two, especially given that there's a pretty big gap, if you think about rankings and reputation between Duke and and Georgia Tech. And this is not to say that Georgia Tech's not a great school as well, but I'm just saying there are a lot of schools that rank in between those two, right? And it just, yeah. So I I would encourage them to think about that. Uh, And as you say, you love to say, right, that if someone gets runs the table, then maybe they don't have full data on what they could have <laughs> had happened in the admissions yeah. process. So, yeah, I would encourage them to add a school or two for sure. Very good. Very good. All right. So let's yeah, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this candidate uh, has seven schools on the target list, and they are also looking to start in the fall of 23. 
The schools uh, of interest are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Stanford, and Booth. So this is really kind of the M7 with Berkeley in it, and and you know Wharton and uh, Wharton's not on the list it looks like, and so in any event, um, so that's the list. They've been working in both. They've had two jobs before business school. One was kind of an oil and gas uh, role, and the other is a CPG company that they've been working for. They have three years of experience in total at this point. They would love to get into consulting, ideally with McKinsey, Bain, or BCG. The numbers are pretty stellar: 750 GMAT, 3.97 GPA. They are located in the Midwest and would love to stay there, ideally landing in Chicago. I know that I have a feeling why you picked this person, <laughs> Alex, because I noted that the first thing they wrote in their note was, "I studied chemical engineering at a high-rated state school," and I was thinking, ah, you know, chemical engineer. Alex likes the <laughs> the chemical engineers, so so this person's you know pretty qualified. But they did go on to say that they're an overrepresented minority, although they are born and schooled in the U.S. So I don't know where you know where they're from necessarily, but I'm assuming. It's got to be from, you know, maybe India or or somewhere in Asia when they talk about being overrepresented. But in any event, that's kind of their situation. They talked about their extracurriculars. We can get into that as well. But what do you make of this candidacy and and their strategy here? Because that's a that list of schools is pretty darn impressive, even though their numbers are pretty great. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming Graham um, that that Asia Pacific. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what countries specifically that is, um, Asia Pacific, because they do some some work um, on, on as a leader for the Asian Pacific American Network. Oh yeah, sorry yeah. I missed that. Yeah, so they're pro- yeah, so maybe they're from you know maybe they're from China or yeah. Taiwan yeah. or who knows, but yeah, or or I mean their parents are yeah. I think we can make that assumption. Anyway, okay. yes, this candidate is wicked smart, right? Three nine seven GPA from a chemical engineering program with a seven fifty GMAT. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the numbers are outstanding. Um, mm. And, you know, quite frankly, I think their, their work experience, again, much like our first candidate, is probably stellar work experience. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, again, they've got to show impact and, and growth. Um, it's quite interesting that they made this move from oil and gas to um, um, CPG company in sort of logistics and supply chain. Um, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but they're, they're, they're currently managing 25 direct reports. So I that's know. pretty impressive in of itself, right? And I, I liked the fact that in their new role, they talk about how they're, they have this added responsibility that they've taken on where they're the sustainability leader yeah. for the, and they're trying to imagine, you know, trying to manage like initiatives to reduce carbon, water and waste. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition with their oil and gas work from before. So yeah, yeah very interesting progression for this candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, it's all pretty stellar, right? Right. right. So, uh, so the reason why I picked this, aside from the fact that they're wicked smart and you know, and so forth, is they actually um, they're debating whether to apply to a full time program, of which they clearly should be targeting these M seven programs that they are targeting. I'm not sure why they've eliminated Wharton, as you know, as you know, everyone listening knows we're huge (laughs) fans of Wharton and we're a bit biased, but nevertheless, um, why why they would eliminate Wharton, um, but, but full time, these are the sorts of programs they should be targeting. Okay. So they're overrepresented minority, but as long as they're in that first round, that shouldn't be an issue. And, you know, again, there's just so much to like here. Um, if, if they execute well on their, their applications, that would be great. Um, but they're debating 
full time versus part time. Yeah. And they're sort of, you know, based in, in the Chicago area. So I presume that they're considering um, Kellogg and, and Booth yeah. um, as, as their part time options. Um, and their rationale for that is, you know, part time is going to be much less um, cost prohibitive um, and it'll allow them to continue to work. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's almost like that sort of risk-reward sort of ratio, you know, um, mm-hmm. tension, right? Um, going part-time, and it's easier to get in, right, frankly. I mean, that that, that is the case, I think. And this this um, person acknowledged that maybe it's an easier route to get in. Um, so, so, so that's very good. But I think, again, this person doesn't necessarily need to make that decision now. They should target the... the the full-time programs, um, you know, as well as maybe putting one or two applications for their part-time. Maybe they can't do that with the Chicago schools in terms of full-time if they're applying part-time. I don't know specifically what the rules Booth and um, Kellogg would have for that. Um, But, you know, maybe, you know, if they did target the part-time with the Chicago programs, but full-time with the other M7, um, weigh up their options when they get options after round one. My big concern here, Graham, is if they really want to do um, MBB consulting, the well-trodden path to that is top-tier, full-time MBA program, of which they appear well-qualified to at least be targeting. And whether they have such an easy route by going part-time whilst they're working, trying to take advantage of the recruiting resources, I think that's where there's a little bit of a hiccup in that plan. Yeah, I think you that the, that uh, phrase that you just used, well-trodden path. I mean, so I would argue that I mean, people have done the math on this. When you go to a top MBA program and go work at MBB, which this person's perfectly capable of doing, it's it's a good return on investment. Even though I recognize it's probably pretty horrifying to imagine laying out a couple hundred thousand dollars in tuition and living expenses while not working. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a leap of faith, right? And, and you know, I, I recognize that there's some concern there, but I would argue that to this person that, wow, if you go to business school, get your summer internship at one of the MBB, I mean, I'm hearing things like bonuses, helping to pay off loans. I mean, there's a lot going on that's positive in terms of defraying that cost and, and making it worthwhile to take the leap. I guess on a more personal note, I would argue that the experience of a full-time MBA is just, it, it, you can't really put a price on it. And, and not that people go to these programs as like a vacation or something, but it is, it's just a different experience. And it's one that you don't ever forget. So I, I just would encourage this person to know that many people before them with their kind of qualifications have gone to a full-time program and excelled. So yeah. that, that's my take. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wish this candidate the best of luck. Just seems like they've got a lot of opportunity down the road for sure. Yeah, totally. So, okay, well, let's move on. I want to thank them for for posting. And yeah, the, again, apply early. They should be fine. I'm sure they'll get into to some of these programs. So in any event, uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry, and we've got a candidate who wants to start in the fall of 23. And they've got Dartmouth, Duke, Harvard, Michigan, and MIT on their target list. Uh, They have been working in consulting, and they would like to end up in consulting, although 
currently they work for kind of a bigger consulting firm. They don't say which one, but I just to kind of give people an idea, I presume it's like an Accenture or a Deloitte type firm. They want to go into strategy consulting for Bain, BCG, or McKinsey, just like our prior candidate. Their GRE is a 325, GPA 3.5, and they've got four years of work experience. They're located in New England, and they want to stay on the East Coast when they're done with business school. Uh, they attended a large state school, and they indicate that they know that their 3.5 is somewhat pedestrian, but that they double majored in econ and a unique STEM offering, and that they also minored in Arabic. And so they're hoping they can kind of make a case to the admissions team that even though they didn't go to an elite school or, a, you know, as they say, a public ivy, that they did what they could to really challenge themselves uh, while they were in school. Uh, they also mentioned some of their grades were due to, they had a bad semester where they were sick. Um, so they had some kind of um, health issues that they were grappling with. In any event, uh, then went into the workforce. They've done a lot of interesting work and, you know, their extracurriculars are pretty stellar. So, you know, I, I feel like when I look at this candidacy and see 32535 gunning for the top schools, you know, and they, I think they're, you know, kind of uh, overrepresented as well. They're certainly not a URM. It, you know, you kind of get nervous. Uh, but what's your take on this candidacy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree on the surface, three, five, three, two, five, four years of experience does seem a little, I mean, you know, for, for us normal people, that, 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 that's outstanding. But for <laughs> the folks targeting these top schools, um, it is somewhat pedestrian. But I do like the, the idea, you know, or, or at least recognize, you know, not all candidates at top MBA programs went to the best ivies and the best schools and so on and so forth. So the key is, wherever you went, did you make the most of that opportunity? And this person is, has recognized that and that's sort of how they're trying to position themselves um, in terms of you know their academic experience and so on and so forth. So double majoring, taking a minor in Arabic, getting heavily involved. Etc. If the they they say there there was a semester where they were extremely sick. If there was is a noticeable drop of GPA for that one semester, then they can use the optional essay to provide that additional context. Yep. Um. So so they should do that. They've got a three twenty five GRE Graham. They said they reckon they could improve that on either side by a point or two. So if they turn that around to a 328, 329 GP, uh, GRE, that might actually make an impact for this candidate. So I would certainly explore that whilst still trying to hit the first rounds yeah. um, because they you know, note that they're an overrepresented um, um, minority or whatever, ORM. So, um, you know, their work experience does sound fascinating. Um, in terms of, you know, I'm not going to call it directly just urban planning, but it sounds like they're doing really interesting things um, with sort of technology in cities and so on and so forth. I mean, I, I read stories about this stuff. It sounds very, very um, impressive. Um, you know, how do we design cities for the future is sort of that sort of work, it seems, that they're doing um, for efficiency and all the data that we can get now um, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and as you you correctly noted, they sit on two boards. Their extracurriculars are also super strong. So if this person's coming across as really interesting work experience, that's really sort of kind of on the cutting edge of of you know stuff that that 
that's that's cool, right? I mean, it's yeah. just topical. It's very very interesting. Combines that with strong extracurriculars. Um, if they slightly improve that GRE, get everything in the in the first round, I think we're talking a, a very strong, well, a reasonably strong candidate. Certainly, targeting M seven programs uh, should be within their reach, um, and they have a mix of M seven and top sixteen, which I think is the right approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, there's there's a lot to like here, Graham. I think. Yeah, I agree. The thing that I mentioned to you before we came on air was that in their comments about their own profile, they seem to have a really high level of self-awareness in terms yeah. of where they fall in the pool. And I think that's kind of a good, you know, I just felt like this person's got a good head on their shoulders and knows where they stand and what they might need to do uh, to stand out in the pool. And I, I will say, yeah, I thought it was pretty fascinating to see that they, you know, they work on this small team focusing on cities, transportation and urban mobility. Yeah. What are, you know, what do cities look like in the future? I know for you, you would say, well, there needs to be a pub on each corner. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I no, but I think it, it does sound like interesting work and they have a good set of goals. And so I, yeah, I, I feel like I don't have much advice for them other than stay the course, apply to these schools, ideally apply in the first round. And yeah, just know that they're going to need to use that optional essay to explain probably the challenging kind of major or set of majors that they assembled for themselves, as well as that one semester where they faced some health issues and lowered their overall GPA as a result. So I think they're fine. And and I, I feel like I wouldn't do any, I mean, the GRE is probably okay, right? I mean, it's 325. It's, yeah. it's certainly, you know, at the average for these top schools, you know, at least the ones on their list. I mean, Harvard might be a bit higher, but... The, the GRE is fine, Graham. It just doesn't stand out, right? So at this right. juncture, yeah, check mark on the GRE, but there's nothing about that GRE that's really helping. Right, it doesn't, yeah, um, that's, with, that's with, correct. With, with these programs, right? So, but if they came back with a 329 or something like that, be mm-hmm. like, well, certainly for the... For the top sixteen type program, then we're we're talking. Yeah, that's that that helps. It starts to stand uh, out, elevate. Yeah, and also with a bit of a pedestrian GPA, having a GRE that's sort of above average is definitely um, going to be noted. Right, right, because it helps swing things back the yeah. other way. Yeah. Um, so some food for thought there. Otherwise, I just wanted to thank them for sharing their profile. And I'd like to say that they know a lot about the admissions process because they've read the book you wrote or read our, you know, or listen to the show <laughs> regularly. But I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Maybe they're just, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah. yeah, hopefully they're tuning in and get some advice here. Alex, I appreciate you picking these out as always. I think I just feel like week in and week out, we're kind of tackling all the various permutations of, of Canada that could be out there and the challenges that people face. So that's why we do it. So appreciate it, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no problem. And yeah, to anyone listening, please post your profile on ApplyWire and then we can talk about it on this, this podcast. Absolutely. All right. So we'll do it all again uh, in one week's time. Alex, thanks for your work on this and I'll see you next week for this. Very good. Thanks, Graham. Stay safe, everyone.